across the sanctuary now, would you just lift up your hands? Would you close your eyes? Just remove every distraction. Forget about what you carried in here. Forget about what you've got planned after service. Forget about who's around you, what they're doing. This is just you and the Lord right now. Come on with your hands raised, your eyes closed. I want you to just open up your spirit to Him. Come on, we want everything God has for us today. He's prepared a table before us in the presence of our enemies. And we're not going to leave anything on that table. I want everything God's fixed for me on this Sunday morning. Shakare mendele mahai. Ute kendele me sukuria mahashe maha. Rebo sandele ya sukuria mandeye. In the name of Jesus Christ, come on, the ministry of the Holy Ghost is here right now. There's a replenishment of virtue. There's a renewing of your soul. Woo! Glory. Glory is in this house. Yera masure be ila reba sutande be kita maha. Hallelujah, hallelujah. I'd like us in this in this vein of prayer right now. I would like us to turn the attention of our minds, the meditation of our heart, and the words of our prayer to your pastor and his wife right now. Come on, lift up your voice with me. I pray for pastor and sister right, right now. The turmoil of mind and the attack of the enemy. I pray right now a divine hedge would rise round about them. On this vacation, I pray the angels of God would surround them. I pray that there would be a supernatural peace that envelops them. I pray on this time of refuge that there would be a clarity of mind, a replenishment of virtue. I pray, Lord, the spirit of revelation would accompany them, that they would come back seeing clear, thinking clear, I pray that there would be a divine strength that would flow from the top of their head to the sole of their feet. Everything the enemy has sent against them, we say no more. Every tactic and every work of hell that has been allowed, no more. I speak the name of Jesus over their minds. I speak the name of Jesus over their hearts today. I speak the name of Jesus over their home today. I 
as goes the shepherd, so go the sheep. So we lift up the shepherd of this house. We plead the blood of the Lord Jesus upon the shepherd of this house. Strength, peace, joy be upon them today. May the power of God cover them, replenish them, restore them, renew them. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. It was an old promise given to the patriarch Abraham. The Lord said, I will bless them that bless you and curse them that curse you. But the scripture tells us that all the promises of God are yea and amen in Jesus Christ. That means I can go all the way back to Genesis 1. Page after page, I can find promises spoken to Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. I can see what he said to Adam and Noah. I can see what he spoke to Moses and Joshua and David and the prophets of old. And though it was said to them in a specific context thousands of years ago because I was baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. The same covenant He started all the way back then I was made a part of. And because I'm in Jesus all those promises are now my promises too. principle of the scripture holds true that God will bless those that bless the leader God will curse those that curse the leader Jesus shows us the truth in the New Testament when they talked about the smiting of the shepherd the concept is as goes the shepherd so go the sheep you want your life to be blessed then you find ways to bless the authority that God has set in your life. God knows my motive. I don't, I'm not doing this for any, any, any glory of you. But I was sitting at a table a couple weeks before Christmas, and my pastor started talking about this pair of dress shoes that, you know, one day I really, you know, man, I just really love to have that. I kind of had a budget. I thought I was going to give him a little Christmas gift. and That was a little bit well beyond what I intended to spend. I was sitting at home one day. I said, you know, Haley, I think I'm going to buy a pastor of those shoes. She said, how much are they? And I told her. She said, well, I don't know. I said, really, you know, what? what's a little bit of money? Like, I'm going to tell you something. When I dropped them off at his house, he wasn't home. He called me about 30 minutes later. And I could hear the joy in his voice and I was sitting in my chair you all talking about feeling God I could feel the strength of God coming on me when I could hear the joy in my pastor's spirit coming out through his voice it really wasn't about the money and it wasn't about the shoes it was about the concept of honor and me seeking a way to make his life better 
to bring strength, to bring joy, to bring delight, whether, whether that's giving him a cup of coffee, a can of Folgers. There is better coffee, but you know, you got to give the man of God what he wants. Washing his car, taking him out for dinner, sending him an encouraging text, buying a pair of shoes. You do whatever you got to do. I'm just going to tell you, one of the highlights of my Christmas season this year was when I heard the joy in my pastor's voice over a little gift I sacrificed for for no other reason than I wanted to make him happy. His wife, Sister Tammy, told, told my wife, she said, oh my goodness, just my husband was just ecstatic. He went on about that for days. Well, that was my goal. I wasn't looking for brownie points. I just wanted to do something that, that would bless him. That I'm going to tell you today, you want the blessing of God, get your eyes off yourself. And it's not, it's, not just, it's not just your authority and your leadership. Paul said, prefer your brother. You quit being so self-consumed. Start looking at somebody else and figuring out, how can I make their life better? What can I do for them that would make their day better? And I, I know we don't talk about that stuff a lot in 2023. Everybody wants to tell you, you can be great. You're going to be awesome. You're going to do great things. That's because we've allowed the self-centered ideologies of the 21st century to so infiltrate the church. This isn't what I intend on talking about, but I got to talk to those young people about this yesterday. I find two, two competing systems in the Scripture. One is defined by Lucifer's seven I wills. I will, I will, I will, I will. And the Lord said, well, I will is a system that doesn't cohabitate with the system of heaven. So you can take your seven I wills and find the exit ramp. And he was cast out of heaven because he lived his life by a system in the ideology that was in competition with the system of heaven. You say, well, what then was the system of heaven? You find it when God was manifest in the flesh and He comes down and sets up His kingdom on this earth. And at the onset of His ministry and His temptation, the devil beckons Him three times and He looks back each time and says, no, it is written. He's telling you how this kingdom operates culmination of that ministry he finds himself in a garden of Gethsemane looking at the cup of suffering that was prophesied by Isaiah my God I feel the Holy Ghost right now we might revisit what's on that phone tonight Isaiah prophesied of a cup of suffering and Jesus in that garden of Gethsemane said, if there's any way that this cup can pass from me. 
If there's any way salvation can still come to the world. If there's any way healing can still come to humanity. If there's any way that deliverance can still be made possible. If there's any way, please let this cup pass for me. I know what this cup entails. I know what the predetermined plan of God was. I know what it means to be the lamb slain from the foundation of the world. I know what's at the bottom of this cup. It's a crown of thorns. It's a cross. It's nails through the bones of my wrists and the bones of my ankles. It's gruesome, gruesome crucifixion. It's suffering. I know what it is. It's a spear through my side. It's blood and water. I I know what the cup of suffering entails. So if there's any way that the purpose of God can be complete and the mission of God can be fulfilled and salvation can be made available without me drinking this cup, please let it pass. But the system of heaven. But if not, nevertheless, it's not about my will. It's not about what I want. It's not about what I think. It's not about my preference. Can I speak to somebody today and tell you that the Scripture speaks to you with no consideration of your opinion? He didn't consult you. He didn't consult Gabriel. No, he didn't even consult Michael. He didn't need nobody else. That's why the prophet Isaiah said, He is the Lord alone. There is none above Him, and there is none beside Him. John said, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. That means when the time of redemption, and in the planning of God's redemption story, He didn't have to seek anybody else. He didn't consult somebody's opinion. He didn't send somebody else else but in the fullness of time God sent forth his son but we understand that the son of God was simply the flesh or the body of God that's why Paul said in 1 Timothy 3 that God was manifest in the flesh the eternal spirit that had hovered upon that mercy seat that that had filled that holy of holies is now resident without measure in the body of Jesus Christ but when that earthly body when that earthly tabernacle was crucified and the veil was torn now that glory is not confirmed find behind a curtain or the earthly flesh of Jesus but it fills the earth and it fills this house today but I have a question for you will this body operate by that same system will Antioch will you Will your family operate by that same system of heaven? Can you walk in here on this first Sunday of 2024 and take inventory on your life and stand with a pure conscience before God and say, I'm living by the system of heaven. It's not my will. It's not what I want. 
Well, preacher, isn't this what this is all about? Coming to church to get what we need and get what we want? I wanted my miracle. I wanted my breakthrough. Yeah, you and everybody else, honey. There ain't a person in this house that's being honest that they say they didn't come here today with some sort of need or want from God. Job, what'd you do wrong anyway? Why is all hell breaking out in your life? Yeah, you got your suit and tie, Job, but you you must have been sinning. Job, I don't know what you've been doing wrong, but everybody in Job's life turned their voice over to a contrary wind. But Job knew his life was never about himself so naked came I into this world and naked I will go take my house take my career touch all this stuff you can strike my body and afflict my family but blessed be the name Job took his eyes off himself and got them on the Lord. They were so easily redirected from his own pain and his own affliction to everybody else around him. And when his prayer was not self-consumed but was others-focused, his own affliction began to turn. It was Job who said, Weigh me on the scales of justice I'm telling you I got a word for you right now God is setting the scales in this house right now hey we're talking about ancient culture this isn't like your little Fitbit scale that you walk in and get on no 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 it's an old balancing scale well they'd have to set the weights on one side and then the product for purchase or being measured on the other. All right, God says, on this one side, let me put my righteousness. Let me put truth. Let me put integrity. Let me put honesty and faithfulness and consecration. And now let me put you on the scale and see how you weigh according to my measure. Job, I know you've been living through hell and I know you've had a lot of pain and hurt and there's been a trial and trauma that you've been walking through but today, Job, I'm going to set the scales and the integrity of the man was proved in the sight of hell and the sight of God. God said, all right, Job. Because in spite of losing everything, you're not losing your integrity. And in spite of all the suffering, you weren't willing to become selfish. You kept your focus on somebody else and somebody else looking for who you could pray for, who you could give to, who you could help, who you could serve. And Job, I'm going to give you double for your trouble. 
But you don't get that kind of blessing if you're living by the systems of this world. Self-help, self-consumed. All about me, myself, and I. How does this inconvenience me? How does this affect me? Listen, who cares? I mentioned last night, Paul said in Romans 8, all things work together for good. He said, well, you know, that sounds nice, but life sure isn't good sometimes. Yeah, that's because your measure of good is determined by how it affects you. God's measure of good is how it affects His kingdom. And it might just be God's will that you lose your job and your soul be saved. It might just be God's will that a little affliction show up in your family so you learn how to pray. Because let me tell you something. If you don't make time to talk to Him when you're living in this system, you have fooled yourself to think you'll spend eternity with Him in that system. So God lets a little trouble show up. To put the body and posture and position where they're not so self-consumed. Now this, you know, when's the last time you went to a conference or some big meeting? Somebody opened up their Bible and read Paul's scripture about preferring your brother. No, because what are we going to do? You can be great. You're going to be awesome. You're going to change the world. Generally, people who are changing the world don't have to be motivated. They don't need to be talked about. They're just doing it. What's happened? Well, I'll tell you what's happened. Is the systems of the kingdom in this world, the systems of godliness and evil, competing systems are at war in the world right now. And one One beckons you to live, saying, I will, I will, I will, I will, I will. I'm going to do this. Bless God if this doesn't happen. If if they don't do this, then I will. I told you last night, control is an illusion. You were never in control. Noah, as detailed as those building plans were, I gave you the kind of wood, the dimensions. I told you all that you were going to do to build this vessel of salvation. The one thing I didn't tell you to put in it was a steering mechanism. And I know you might think that this boat just goes where the wind and the wave moves it. But that's that's not how this works, Noah. This boat goes where my hand places it. I'm telling somebody in this house today, your desire for control is an illusion. It's the enemy's bait to beckon you into his system where you're living by your I wills. I will do this and I will do that and I'll control this and I'll control that. No, no, no.
you got to surrender. Moses is walking those sheep on the backside of a desert. And when he turns aside to see this fiery bush, the Holy Ghost starts speaking. The Lord says, take off thy shoes, for the place you're standing is holy ground. Now listen, I know it's 2024. You can go to Google and you can find 1,001 reasons of why God told Moses to take off his shoes. Let me give you mine. Because it was a supernatural encounter. A bush on fire in that setting was not an unfamiliar sight. But what made this moment unique was that the bush, though it was on fire, was not being consumed. And Moses' willingness to be inconvenienced, his holy curiosity that caused him to set aside his temporary responsibility in that moment and seek with curiosity this burning bush. It's like a portal to another world. A doorway to revelation. God says, take off your shoes. Well, you know why? I'll tell you why. Because curiosity caused him to stop and inquire. But only obedience would let him enter in. You don't get any farther with God than you are right now except by obedience. God said, Moses... Your curiosity brought you this far. Your hunger lets you see this. Your interest has granted you this moment. But if you're going to enter in, if you're going to fulfill the God-given potential, if you're going to rise to the occasion of the calling I have for your life, hunger is not enough. I'm going to have to give you a command that puts you in a position where you must choose to obey. And I know a fool, only a fool, would take his sandals off on that hot desert sand. But I'm about to show you something. In this moment, in measure, that's going to become an abiding principle for my people on the journey ahead. Because Moses, this is not an ordinary fire. It's the glory of the Lord. And though that sand should be hot enough to burn your feet, in the shadow of my glory, your feet are going to be all right. And the shadow he stood in in that moment would expand to become a pillar of cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night that would not just guide Moses, but would guide all of Israel through that wilderness wandering. Moses, I'm going to show you in measure what I'm about to show the people in full. But you don't step into that world except by obedience. When he takes off the shoes, the Lord starts talking to him. Moses, I hear the cry of my people by reason of the taskmaster. Moses, let me talk to you about a good land. A large land that flows with milk and honey. Moses, I'm going to stand you before Pharaoh. By mighty signs and wonders, I'm going to bring my people out. 
Now, I know you might just read over those verses in your devotion, but I don't know if you realize what just happened. Moses just got divine revelation about what was happening in the world at that moment in history. He got revelation about what was about to happen, who was going to make it happen, and how it was going to happen. It didn't come from CNN or Fox News. It wasn't MSNBC. He didn't get it from Facebook or Instagram or YouTube. He didn't buy a book on Amazon. It's not some video he found on social media. It was obedience that took him into a world of revelation. And in that world, God said, Moses, let me start talking to you about what's happening in the world right now. Let me start talking to you about what I'm going to do and how I'm going to do it. Why not? I've got a job. I've got this. I've got plans. I've got a schedule. I know, Moses, but I tested you with the curiosity, with the hunger to see. Would you turn aside? Would you take your eyes off self? And obedience brought him in, and now his eyes are not fixed on self, but they're fixed on a nation needing deliverance. What I'm telling somebody in this house today, what you have prayed for, what you have asked for, what you have waited for, you're not going to find in your continual asking. I'll tell you when you're going to find it. When you buy into the system of heaven and you get your eyes off self and you start finding somebody else that you can serve and you can love and you can lift up and you can pray for and you can encourage. There's a lot of prophecy that gets buried in the graveyard of selfishness. There's a lot of revival and promise and church growth and life change that gets buried in the graveyard of selfishness. So Jesus says, it's not my will. It's not what I want. It's not what I like. It's not what's easy or pleasurable for me. I'm going to do whatever I have to do so the purpose of God can be fulfilled. If you're in this house right now and you have a specific need from God, I want you to stand up. physical healing could be financial could be you just need a fresh touch at the beginning of this year could be for God to work in your family for God to provide you a job a need of any sort but you have a need you should just take a minute and look around Turn your head. I want you to see how many people are standing right now. Let me tell you how I think God works more times than not. 
We've already seen some of this today, and to me it's a sign of a healthy church. It's what I would call the ministry of the body. It's when pastor's not laying hands on everybody, when the leadership's not the one doing everything, but the body. That's how God designed your natural body. You, You get a cut on your hand. You don't have to go home and spend all day with this hand trying to heal that wound. Just do a little maintenance, a little, little tend to it, and God designed the body to heal itself. It's the ministry of the body. Let me tell you how God works more times than not, and why I'm convinced we don't see more demonstration of power and miracles than we do. Because you know what we want to do? We want to find one guy with one gift, get him up here, and bring everybody up for that one guy to lay hands and speak over everybody. And I'm not minimizing nobody's gift. But I am challenging the celebrity culture in the apostolic movement. Because they were gifts given to the body. Not to the five-fold ministry. Not just to the pastor. Not just to a position. To the body. So I don't care if you find yourself to be the right arm or the little toe. Your hunger and your obedience can give you access. So here's what happens. More times than not, we've got people looking for someone to lay hands on them. Looking for the pastor. Looking for, no, let me tell you what I think happens more times than not. We're in a setting just like this. And God says, okay. Brother, you come with me. Brother here stood. He's got a need. We've got another brother stood. He's got a need. Now it's real easy when we've all got needs. Just just come and have our minds fixed on our need, what I want, what I'm needing God to do. Man, if I'd get my eyes off self for just, just a minute, the Lord might put in my hand. His miracle. If I just get my eyes off self for just a minute and I, and I look around, I might feel a little quickening in my spirit. A thought may come to my mind where God says, I want you to go pray for them. You know what that is? That's God giving grace to you, putting something in your hand for them. But if I'm so consumed on self, if I'm not willing to prefer somebody, if I'm not willing to be obedient, (laughs) my dad, he's not a preacher. I think the call of God is on his life, has been from a young boy. He's wrestled with a lot of things and condemnation. He's a good man, though. My great aunt spent 45 years in, in Columbia with the Larsons. When my dad was just a young man. He and his sisters went to visit them. He said, he'll sit in his chair and start crying, talking about it. He said, I'll never forget the first time I ever saw a miracle. He said they brought a man to the altar whose one leg was several inches shorter than the other. He said, and I, I'll never forget. And we laid hands. He said, I, I, I watched it. He said, I wouldn't believe it except I'd seen it. I watched it with my own eyes. His leg grew. He said, I came home from that trip with this 
renewed faith and this belief. And he gets back to East Coast Canada and is at some kind of convention, conference, and they call for people who need a miracle to come forward. He said, I watched them lead a blind person to the front of the church. He said, I was just a young man. But he said, I know the Lord spoke to me. God put it in my heart to go pray for him. And he said, but when they brought him up, they said, we want the preachers to come lay hands on him. He said, they prayed. Nothing happened. They walked away. And he just stood there. And he said, I didn't go lay hands on him. He's sitting in his chair just weeping, crying. I know God told me to do it, but, but I just didn't do it because I, I, I'm not a preacher, and they called for the preachers. No, this is not the ministry of the preachers. It's the ministry of the body. But when the body becomes self-consumed, we stifle the ministry of the body and we start elevating certain personalities. I'm telling you in the Holy Ghost right now, there are miracles all through this room and they're not in my hand. I didn't bring them. They were resident in the body. And as you look across this house right now, we're going to pray in just a moment. I'm done. I'm telling you there are competing systems and you've got to choose today how are you going to live in 2024? How is this church going to operate? How are we going to do this? Is this going to be about my wants and my will? Or is it nevertheless not my will, but thine be done? God says, all right. Your willingness to forsake self and to prefer somebody else. Even though you needed something, even though you stood in need, I am going to put in your hand His miracle. And if you'll just have the courage and the boldness to to step out of your seeking and your asking and your wanting and and your your selfish world and you'll find somebody else and you say, Brother, I, I really just feel to pray for you. Your giving, your becoming a conduit of God's grace and power and glory. You came to give. And while you give to others, here's what you're going to discover. God gave to you. It's the ministry of the body. So here's what we're going to do. If you're standing right now and you have a need, I want want you to turn look around. go see somebody that the Lord may prompt you I want you to step out of your seat I want you to go to that somebody and we're going to pray here in just a moment and we're going to let the Holy Ghost work through the ministry of the body preacher this is a little bit awkward I know I know it is The Lord may give you a word for them. You may not have a clear word. It may just be a burden of prayer.
You may feel a great compassion for them. What are we doing? We're stepping into the system of heaven right now. Where it's not about me and what I want, but it's about you and what I can give. I'll tell you what 2024 is. It's the year to rid the church of selfishness. Come on, that's it. Such as I have, I give unto thee in the name of Jesus Christ. Yes, yes, yes. Come on, let the Holy Ghost move through you right now. Come on, that's it. This is beautiful. Let the Holy Ghost flow through you right now. What they need is in your mouth. What they've been asking for, it's in your hand. Yes, yes, not my will. Not my will. Come on, that's it. You're not in charge of the production. God produces. You are in charge of the distribution.
Let the Holy Ghost lead you. Let the Lord direct your words. This is the system of heaven being activated in the body of Christ. It is the distribution of His power, His glory, and His miracles. Yes, yes, yes. Come on, just open up your spirit. This is the work of the body. It's the blood flowing through the fellowship and the ministry of the body. Miracles of the body. Miracles of the mind. 
Want you to hear me for a minute. Moses stepped in in that moment, but he still had he still had some things to figure out. So when he is awakened to what God will have him do, he sees the world through a new light. Now, the next time he sees those Egyptian taskmasters abusing those Hebrews, you know what he does? He kills them. Because in his mind, it only makes sense that if I'm going to be the deliverer, I'm going to lead these people out. And when they're afflicting pain on those that I'm supposed to rescue, I'm going to deal with them myself. The problem was, God didn't say, Moses, I'm going to deliver them by your hand or your strength or your might. He said, I'm going to do it by mighty signs and wonders. So see, Moses stepped back into self and it quenched the spirit. So God said, we've got to deal with this self thing, Moses, or you'll never know what my spirit can do. You mean you don't really need my strength, God? No, I don't. I need your obedience. So I want you to walk up to the edge of that water. I want you to lift up your hands and stretch out your staff over the sea. It might seem silly. And it might not make sense. And Paul hasn't yet wrote the words. But one day, he's going to write something that makes moments like these make sense. Because I have chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. Moses, it's in my weakness, my earthly frailness and inability that the strength of God is made perfect. So Moses, I've got to get you to a place where you're not operating on the system of self, where you're not trusting in your wisdom and your power, but you're just being obedient to what I tell you to do. You start living like that, I can send a wind upon that water, and you can walk through on dry ground. You see, when you deal with self, it always opens the door to spirit. That's why when Jesus knelt down and prayed, Not my will, but thine be done. The scripture says the angels came and ministered strength to him. Because when you deal with self, you always open the door to spiritual demonstration. 
I'm telling you that the Holy Ghost call for you in 2024 is to rid your life and empty this church of selfishness. Well, maybe you thought I was going to come in here and talk about something exciting like there's more in 24. <laughs> oh, there is. I'm just telling you how you get it. God help us. We have got to get selfishness out of the church. You say, well, I, I, I don't really think I'm selfish. I, I try to serve, and I, I, I do this. Well, here's what I've learned. You don't really know if you're a servant until you really get treated like one. I spent five years working for Hilton. Well, in fact, for Newcastle. They're based here in the Northeast, but it was a Hilton property. Two reasons I think God put me there. One was to expand my perspective surrounding finances. And two was to put me in a position where I was bound by virtue of my employment, where I was forced to serve. speaking pretty plainly when you're the guy who comes in in a suit and tie and at that season of life I was pastoring and you're the one that everybody's loving on and everybody's everybody should be loving on may the Lord curse you if you don't you think I'm kidding I was telling telling Nathaniel last night about a, a lady we, I spent 18 months dealing with her spirit of Jezebel she showed up at our district camp meeting one year, and when Eli Hernandez finished preaching, he called forward for people to come who needed prayer. She had been battling a long-term illness. She was one of the first people who came forward. In Nova Scotia, it was just a small district. They still have all the preachers sitting over on the left side of the platform, so I'm sitting over here. And She comes up, and Brother Hernandez turned, and he looked at me and pointed at me and said, Go pray for her. In my mind, I'm thinking... I've been dealing with Jezebel and that witch for 18 months. You think I'm going to go pray for her? He kind of, he read my hesitation. And so he just kind of looked the shovel and he set the microphone down and he walked over and he leaned off that, it was a higher platform, a little higher than this. And he, he leaned down like he was going to lay his hand on her head and he got about two inches from her forehead and he stopped. He turned around and he walked right straight to me. And he said, her sickness is a spirit of rebellion, and it will not leave until she repents. I thought, well, apparently you do know what I know. 
So lest you just think, you know, these are old words in Scripture that don't mean much today. When he said, I will bless them that bless thee and curse them that curse thee, I think he meant it. Here I was, a pastor, the honorable position, showing up, preaching, leading. A lot of serving going around the church and a lot of people going other way to serve us and be kind to us. And Well, I believe it's good, it's in order, it's necessary. God said, Dan, I can't let you become too inflated in your sense of self and ego. So while all this is good and in order in the house of God for these five years, I'm going to put you over here. And I'm going to put you in a posture, in a position where you have to serve. Listen, I'm the kind of guy that has a strong opinion of justice. It would blow your mind to know how many dishonest people there are in the world who know that Hampton has a 100% guarantee and if you just tell them that you're not happy with the room and you don't want to pay, they don't have to pay. And you know, you know good and well they're lying, they're abusing the policy, they're dishonest, and they're being rude and disrespectful to you. I didn't pay for this. And they're... And everything inside of you rises up. Want to be just, do right, show them your strength. But you know, in those moments that I would feel self rise within me, I could feel the Holy Ghost grieve. And I would hear those words like a lamb led to the slaughter, he opened not his mouth. Because you've got to choose what system you live by. You want to live by the system of self and I will? Then just know this. There will be no work of the Spirit. But if you can follow the pattern of heaven. And you can submit your will. And you can die daily. I'm telling you that just as it moved Moses into another world and another demonstration of ministry, just as it brought angels to the Lord in the Garden of Gethsemane to bring strength to his body, that he would have the strength to fulfill his mission. I'm telling you, if you deal with self, it opens the door to spirit. What God has for you and your families in this church in 2024, it will only be discovered when we operate by the patterns of heaven. We say, it's not my will. It's not what I want. I'm going to prefer my brother. I'm going to honor my leader. I'm going to honor the family of God. These are the virtues bring us into alignment with heaven would you lift your hands I'm done but would you just lift your hands and praise just tell the Lord 
I receive it into my spirit. If you can say it and mean it with, from the sincerity of your heart, I want you to tell them, I, I commit to it, God. This is not, not just something I'm going to talk about on the first Sunday of the year, but this is how we're going to function as a family. This is how we're going to build our lives. Father, you have designed the body to heal itself in the natural world because that truth first existed in the spiritual world. So for every weakness that exists in this body, for every lingering effect of the demonic attacks and the affliction of hell, Lord, we have received the ministry of the body in this house today. Healing has been initiated. Wholeness has been released. Strength has been poured out. And I pray it would not be for this moment only, but I pray over this calendar year, I pray over 2024, it would be a year that is marked by the ministry of the body. I pray that there would be an increase in miracles, an increase of signs and wonders. I pray there would be more baptisms, more Holy Ghost infillings, more restoration, and more deliverance. But it's not just coming from the pulpit. It's coming from the pew. From front to back and side to side. As we rid ourselves of self and we live with the virtues of honor and preferring one another, I pray that there would be a notable demonstration of the Spirit that you would mark this house with your glory and your power. In Jesus' name I pray. And the church said amen. Come on, just offer Him a thanks, a praise.